If I could sum up everything I've learned from battling depression and anxiety for years, it would boil down to one thing. You are not alone. You see, so many of us are tormented by the insane idea that we're separate, disconnected beings, suffering all by our little lonesome selves. And I say this from experience. Then I began to open up and share my story. And voila, people showed up to tell me they were struggling too, or even more inspiring, that they had once struggled and since triumphed over their struggle. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, that's why it's important to open up and share your story. Which is why I'm proud to be sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is here to help you. They offer licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your own convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. From there, you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. You can also request a new therapist at no additional charge, anytime. So don't wait. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month today at betterhelp.com ddbn. That's betterhelp.com ddbn. At first, the idea of participating in group therapy might sound intimidating. Who wants to share their story with strangers? But group therapy, in which one or more psychologists lead a group of 5 to 15 people, can be quite beneficial. In fact, participants are often surprised by how rewarding their experience can be. I'm your host, JD, and this is What's Your Story?
My name is Samantha Colucci, pronouns are she, her, and I first really was open to mental health when I was pretty young. Um, my mom had struggles um, and one of my aunts as well, she had been hospitalized. So I like had a little bit of knowledge about that. And I guess because I was so young, like learning about it, it didn't it didn't change the way I felt about them. Like, that's just, um, you know, that's just part of who they were or, you know, who they are. And, um, I guess like it, it wasn't a big, a big factor, like growing up, like when I was very young, um, it really came into play more, um, after my, uh, after my dad passed away when I was 13. Um, that's when, for myself, I started my struggle with uh, depression, um, binge eating came in, uh, a lot of anxiety because my dad was my best friend. My mom and I, we clashed. Like we were, like our birthdays were five days apart. We were both Aries. If that. <laughs> so same, same personalities. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and um, I can attest to that one 100%. Yeah. Um. <laughs> both both a little stubborn um and i was very scared after my dad passed what things were going to look like with just me and my mom um i probably really should have gotten into therapy soon after that um however that didn't happen until i was about 18 when i just it was just getting out of school um i wanted to go to uh, Temple University for study English. And I was like, I got accepted. I was all gung-ho. We went out there. I went a couple of weeks early because I was in the marching band. Um, and I just had a meltdown the one night in my room. Um, I was all by myself and everything just felt so wrong. Like I shouldn't be there right now. Like, this is not where you're supposed to be at this moment. So I <laughs> called my mom. She drove the six hours out, loaded up the car, drove back. And I was like, I need some help. Like, things are not good in my head. Um, and so I finally got into some therapy. Um, and I have to say it was an interesting experience um, because yeah. the person that I went to was, he was a lot older. Mm. and didn't necessarily listen to what I was saying was happening. Um, and I think the big thing was when he said, if I don't start opening up to people, he's going to put me on lithium. That I was like, oh, oh well. <laughs> well. Okay. <laughs> that's not that's not generally how this works, I thought. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, so then I, I did find a really good place to get therapy, um, through that, I started doing a lot of art therapy, um, and usually they kind of reserve that for like the kids and the teenagers, Yeah. but because I just, I get joy out of creating things. Um, and, and probably, one. and probably way better than lithium, I'd imagine. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. I'd much rather <laughs> sit there and like. Yeah. Out my feelings then <laughs> yeah then suppress them when you don't really you know need to have it managed that way <laughs> absolutely um that thankfully brought me to well i 
during all that time, um, my mom got sick. She had a form of um, Parkinson's disease and I was taking care of her for the last year of her life. Um, after she passed, because that was basically my job. So I was, you know, don't have, you know, my, my, both of my parents are now gone. I don't have a job, you know, feeling kind of down. And my therapist suggested going to the psych rehab that they offered. Um, I went over actually like right after my appointment, um, she took me over to talk to them. And I just, I like, I fell in love with the group. Like everybody was so great and open and it just seemed like a really great environment. Um, so I started doing that, um, five days a week I went, it was like my job. Um, I looked forward to it and it was like through that, I kind of, I realized that I, like I had always wanted to do something in psychology, um, but I wasn't really sure that what I, that meant. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, did I have the, you know, did I have the willpower to go through, you know, years and years of schooling to be a therapist or should I just do a social worker? Should I, you know, like what yeah. it look like? Um, and by being in the psych rehab, like after a while I started, uh, running groups and helping, helping running groups. Um, every other Friday we did like a coffee shop where, um, both like consumers and staff could come up and get coffee. We make snacks and, you know, everybody nice. could sit around. Um, I became like manager of that basically. Um, and that was, that was fun. And it was also good to have that, um, supervising role, I guess. Yeah. Um, cause I'd never been in that position that I, that I could before. Um, it was, mentioned to me probably like after I was there about a year um, about peer support and that they were looking to start up the program again at the agency that I was at. Um, so I got all my information together and sent, you know, an application in and I got accepted, um, did by two weeks, which like were probably the toughest two weeks of education I've ever done in my life. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> total burnout after uh, a couple of the sessions because it was just so much information, but it was definitely worth it. Um, so, uh, yeah, got working at the agency, you know, right out of, um, getting my certification and I was there for five years. Um, and then I moved to another agency for another three years, uh, where I got my supervisor training. I'm trained to work with youth and young adults. Um, we're also looking into like how I'm on a committee that's looking into how we can f have more, even more specialized peer support, um, like for the LGBTQ plus community, um, yeah. for elders, for, um, I mean, there's just a huge range of like categories that we've, we've talked about to try yeah. and get training so that you can really find somebody that's like understands what you're going through.
having like a group therapy session or a peer to peer support. Cause I don't think we, we talk enough about that, yeah. uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the impact and the benefit on, on mental health. Um, you know, I think that's probably like an underlying thought when it comes to, you know, alcohol anonymous and, mm -hmm. and things of that nature. But I, I don't think that's something that gets enough light on it, Shed, that this is something, this is another route that you can take if you don't feel comfortable one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, or that it can simply, you know, simply put that it can be used as a, as a resource for mental health support. Yeah, it's, um, I, I found it to be very helpful because you weren't, it wasn't like, like in a one-on-one -on -one situation, you're going to have to, um, interact. You're going to have to, you know, it's like, and sometimes you, there might be something that's being discussed that you just kind of want to listen to or you uh, aren't really sure what to say. And in that situation, being in a group setting helps because you're still getting the information, you're still getting the help, but you're not, the spotlight isn't on you, I guess, Yeah. Uh, as much. It's also great because you get different viewpoints um, Yeah. because you're going to have, let's say, 10 people in the room and they are... Um, you know, they're going to be coming from different um, diagnoses. They're going to be coming from different lifestyles. They're going to be, you know, different age groups and everything. Um, because ours was 18 and up. Um, yeah. Ours was. Um, and so it was really helpful as well to get that. Because if you're, especially if you're really, you know, stuck in your problem of what's going on. Yeah. Having somebody else step in and say, hey, have you thought of it this way? or this worked for me, or, um, you know, here's a resource or something, you know, or even just having somebody say, Hey, that really sucks. You know, like having somebody just sure. Right. There to say, you know, I hear you is, you know, um, just so important. Um, but I think, and, and over the time, you know, we had people that were there that were super quiet when they first started and, you know, after a month or two, they were, engaging in things they were you know um a lot more outgoing and it's just because they got comfortable and the setting was so great that yeah the group was so great together that it felt like a family at the end you know like i i, yeah. didn't, I almost didn't want to leave i'm like can i still do like rehab and <laughs> it's like no i can't <laughs> um luckily i do get to go back sometimes and run groups and stuff um so i still get to be in that environment and i really like that environment yeah. And I imagine for somebody that, like you mentioned, that, you know, just isn't ready to to sit one on one with somebody and, and or, you know, or maybe is, but like kind of skeptical as to how this whole therapy thing is going to work. You can almost look at a, a, a range of people sitting there in front of you in a group setting and go, OK, well, this person just started last week this person's been here for two years and you can almost kind of envision yourself going okay like this is the trajectory versus in a one-on-one -on -one session you're just kind of like you know you're, you're nervous about being there for starters yeah. you, you know you don't want to open up and then secondly like you don't know if this is even going to work at all and so yeah. i could see that being something beneficial for people that are in that position um and carrying that weight when it comes to to having some kind of, you know, intervention, um, so to speak.
as far as you know the impact and you know the loss of you know a family member um was there a moment because you said that there was just like one one day just sitting in your dorm room it all just kind of like kind of fell if like looking back now were there things that kind of led up to it that you were missing the signs that now having some sort of like you know background education you know all that kind of thing that's like okay here's a sign that i would encourage people to kind of pay attention to more than they really realize or was it just truly just this one moment the weight just hit you and you couldn't carry that as much anymore um i think well there were definitely signs um but i just kind of uh, <laughs> overlooked them um and i guess everybody else around me kind of did too um because it was never said like oh don't you think you should get some help or anything or don't you yeah um my biggest thing i think was that i um i did kind of close myself off um i'd always been very you know a pretty outgoing person and you know yeah and i definitely became uh a lot more withdrawn um i guess like because of like because of the relationship that my dad and i had that we were so close he was yeah. my cheerleader he was my like he and I would sit on Saturday mornings and eat Cheerios and watch cartoons and talk about <laughs> life. Like, so I, you know, not having that anymore, just like, I was so afraid of like that fear of letting somebody in and closing yeah. in was big. And sure. it, still, it still kind of is like, I'm still a little like iffy when it comes to new people. Like I really have to feel people out, but um, definitely like that withdrawal and even kind of losing definitely like the loss of interest in things yeah um, that was another thing that like came about and probably the biggest was um like the emotional eating and the binge eating yeah that got worse over time um because i like when i was growing up my mom was very much like oh we had a bad day let's have some food let's have some sweets or, you know, like, oh, we had a really good day. Let's go celebrate with a meal or, you know. Sure. So I was. It was her love language. Yeah. I was yeah. conditioned that that is, you know, what you do. Yeah. Um, and so when everything started spiraling out of control, basically, I just, that's where I went to because it was. That's what you knew. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's like this, this, this piece of pizza is going to fill that hole. Yeah. You know, like that's, that was the logic. Um, but, um. And that's an that's a an external way of looking at binge eating, and I think that's important to to kind of point out too. That I mean, here's something that is outside of you. It's not. I think we typically look at those things as being like a you know having to do with like your self image and you know the way you feel about yourself. And here we here we are. There's another version of it that is also valid and also a part of you know, of being an emotional eater is what's happening outside of you. And, you know, what you've been kind of taught, I guess, is the best way to put it, right? That, yeah. you know, how to how to deal with those feelings, good or bad. Um, I, I mean, I definitely, I, when I say love language, I say that very, very personally, because um, that's, my, that's my mom's love language, too. Um, and I, you know, I've always loved that, and but never paid attention to it until my wife one time 
you know, pointed out that we always come home with leftovers and I'll take them every time. Yeah. And you know, I'm the one, I'm the one who will, and they're not bad things. It's just a totally different style of cooking mm -hmm. compared to how we eat at home. Um, but that's how I grew up and it, you know, it's, it, it's fine food. It's not anything terrible, but I could see it becoming that as soon as you said that, I'm like, wow, that sounds super familiar. Um, <laughs> I could see when, when, when the, the weight of the world falls on me eventually, um, that's where I turn to, but I don't know if people necessarily realize that. So no. I, pre I appreciate you pointing that out for, for people. Um, so as far as where you are today, um, and the things that you've learned, uh, what are some things that you would share to someone else who's going through a similar story or, you know, people in general that you would love for them to hear, but maybe aren't hearing loud enough? I think one of the most important things is, well, I mean, there's a few. I think it's important to, like, if you feel like something's off, if you feel like, you know, something might be going on, don't be afraid to go and get the help because it's there. And it could change your life if you do it. Um, because, you know, you're not, you know, like you said, the whole, you know, you're not alone. Everybody's got something going on to some yeah. degree. And I think if we, if we were more open to like understanding that, that, you know, everybody's got something going on, especially like now, I think with the, you know, having dealt with, you know, and still dealing with, you know, COVID and everything, Everybody mm -hmm. has had some kind of trauma from that now, you know, whether that's that they lost somebody or yeah. a loss of a job or, you know, it's changed everybody a little bit. So everybody's got something that's affected them in some way. And it's just finding the healthy ways to deal with them um, and, you know, finding help, whether that is, you know, maybe you get a therapist and or you go to psych rehab or you have a peer specialist or whatever that looks like to you um you know it could really it could really change the way that you look at things and the way that um the way that you're you know living your life because you can learn better coping skills you can um you know learn you just learn so much about yourself and you know don't don't be afraid of like a diagnosis because that's that doesn't change who you are fundamentally that's part of who you are and I think if you learn to embrace that as much as you can, it can, you can really, it can really ease it. Um, like I, have ADHD and I love it because I have a different perspective to other people. Like my brain just works in a different way. And I found it like, yeah, it can be crazy when I have like those brain fog days or a day where my brain is just like going a million miles an hour. Um, but I found it helpful in, you know, like group work or, you know, friends will come to me for advice about something because like, you know, you kind of get a different view on something. And, um, so I think that's, you know, sometimes it can be really helpful <laughs> to have those things that's, going on. It's valuable. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's just, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are afraid to open up about the, the things they're struggling with because they're afraid of how they're going to be perceived. Sure. Um, which is crazy even, you know, now mm -hmm. to think that like, we're still in a place where there's the, the, the stereotypes and the, you know, myths about different, uh, disorders and, you know, it, it's constantly being like the, yeah. And, you know, especially like when there's, you know, tragic events that happen and it's, you know, that question of mental health comes up and then it just mm -hmm. disappears again and we're still not doing anything we're about still it. Stuck. Yeah. It, it's just like, yeah, it gets very frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a much needed education in my opinion, as far as the way we look at it, you know, it's, it's like we have, we keep stepping on that same, same beginning of the path, but, you know, either fearful or forget to, to take the next step, yeah. you know, it, it's like, you've got all this awareness and all this, you know, um, conversation about just the, the baseline topic. And then, like you said, like you just kind of, it disappears until it pops up again, instead of going, okay, where's the next step? You know, the hash, the hashtag was great. The, you know, the month of awareness was great, but what's the next step? Well, how do we get people to, to kind of move forward? And I think you, we have in so many ways from, you know, where you were 10, 15, 20 years ago, but kind of stuck. Um, you're right. Well, thank you for, for sharing your story. I truly, truly appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's one step in, in that process that, you know, we're just talking about of, of helping to, to educate people and, hearing somebody else it's like your parents you know can tell you all the day all day to you know do this that or the other thing but until you hear somebody else um yeah. say it, it it definitely helps uh, <laughs> to do that Special thanks to Samantha for giving us a chance to see what other possibilities are out there for someone to heal and feel hope in their struggle with mental illness. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with music by Chad Lawson. The stories, though, just remember, they're entirely yours. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. Most of all, thanks to you for tuning into this show, What's Your Story, and helping me shed some much-needed light on mental illness. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter or by leaving the show a review. I always like to know how good I'm doing. Lastly, take a moment to sign up for the newsletter over on the website, fragilemoments.org, where you'll get free mental health advice directly to your inbox. 
Take care of yourself out there and be sure to check in with your friends and family. All of them.